2: The Daily Tech News Show is powered by me, but I couldn't do it on my own. I'd like to thank the over 4,800 other patrons who help keep this show going each day. Visit com slash support if you too
1: would like to help power this show. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, June 21st, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. From Oakland, California, I'm Justin Robert Young. And, of course, the man who needs a very small introduction if you haven't listened to the show before, our producer, Roger Chang. Hello, I'm Roger Chang. I'm the producer for the show. That's That's exactly right. Uh, We're going to talk about the Supreme Court decision in the United States to allow states to tax the sales of items from companies who are on the internet but don't have a physical presence in that state. But let's start with a few tech things you should know.
3: The alliance behind the open royalty-free HDR10 Plus standard launched a program to let manufacturers qualify to use the HDR10 Plus logo on their products. HDR10 Plus brings the HDR standard close to quality to Dolby Vision, which manufacturers have to currently pay royalties to use. Mm.
2: Continued conversation is launching for Google Home in the U.S. on Thursday. Similar to Amazon's follow-up mode, users can ask multiple questions in a row without having to say the trigger word each time. Users need to enable the feature in-setting.
1: Samsung has launched the industry's highest-capacity NVMe solid-state drive at 8 terabytes In an 11-centimeter by 3.05-centimeter form factor, has read speeds of 3,100 megabytes per second, write speeds of 2,000 megabytes per second, five and three times the speeds of your typical SATA SSD. Coming to a data center near you
3: soon. Hey, we mentioned MoviePass yesterday in our AMC story. Business Insider reports today that MoviePass told the publication high-demand pricing will come into effect in the coming weeks so specifically titles that the service believes are very popular, will cost an extra $2.
1: Let's talk a little bit more about a significant shakeup at Intel. Brian Krasanich is out as Intel's CEO
2: and has left Intel's board following an investigation into, quote, consensual relationship with an Intel employee, unquote. Chief Financial Officer Robert Swan will step in as interim CEO while the board searches for a more permanent replacement. In a statement Thursday, Intel said that the relationship violated Intel's non fraternization policy, which applies to all managers. That policy states managers cannot have relationships with people who report to them either directly or indirectly. Krasanich joined Intel in 1982. And was named CEO and elected to the board on may twenty thirteen
3: so listen, not the first time that this has happened, and also intel 's policy is not unusual uh, m- many big corporations have the same one uh but, Tom, we were talking about this story earlier, kind of like, you know, how do we start a, you know, how much of a tech story is this and, and how much does it apply? But you said this is, you know, this is the sort of thing that investors get scared of and wondering, you know, who's the leadership going to be? Yeah, it's
1: it's this story is not in, in our current climate. It's it's natural to say, oh, scandal. Not that is not really the issue here. In fact, the Me Too a- aspect of this story is fairly cut and dry. It was a consensual relationship. There's, there's no allegations of harassment here. It's just that Intel says, look, uh, it is a power imbalance if you are in a relationship with the person you're managing. Uh, and that could go bad in multiple ways. So we don't allow it. They're not accusing Krasanich of favoritism or anything like that. They're saying he violated the policy he has to leave. And we're going to apply it to everyone. It doesn't happen to CEOs all that often, and certainly doesn't happen to CEOs of companies as large as Intel all that often. But to me, the biggest part of this story is Intel has been recovering its stock price. Since Kurzanich took over, it has been shifting into trying to get ahead of the next trend and not get stuck behind Qualcomm and Nvidia and 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 others who who have sort of leapfrogged it in the mobile space and Krasanich has by all accounts I mean he hasn't done perfectly obviously we had the meltdown spectre issue which may or may not have anything to do uh, with Intel management uh, being at fault uh, but. Generally, people have been positive about the direction he's taken Intel. He divested them of a lot of projects that people didn't really feel were going to get Intel where they needed to be. So right when they're starting to feel like Intel is back, getting back on track, they lose that CEO that has put them there. That's a big deal.
2: All right. A rule is a rule is a rule. This is a justification for somebody to lose their job. Would we agree or disagree that it seems at least noteworthy that it happened to a ceo of yeah a as, he, as
1: intel certainly yeah
3: yeah i mean it's it's good if there's a corporate policy it should apply to managers including yeah. the ceo that said and you know i don't want to i don't really know what happened but it does seem unusual that this would have just been like well he had to leave um that's just the way it goes unless perhaps there was more to the story and this was the easy way to end the issue a
1: couple of years ago i would have agreed to you it would uh, agreed with you i, w- I would feel like mm, this sounds like maybe they're sweeping something under the rug so it doesn't sound as bad in this current climate though i can see a company going you know what we don't want any questions so clean break this is what it is and uh, no, we don't want to be accused of of you know treating our executives with kid gloves in the harvey weinstein area
3: Era. And I I hope that that is the case that that's that's how companies should go you know uh, if you're the CEO you shouldn't you know get a free pass to to act any differently than what other managers. And I have think that's what's throwing
1: us all off is like so they acted the way they should which yeah. <laughs> we're not yeah. used to. Uh, yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, also, let me just put my my flag down. I'm I'm what you were two years ago. I think there's more to the story, and I think we're going to find out more.
3: Well. We're going to find out more about AT&T's new internet service called Watch TV. It's slated to go live next week with 31 TV networks. Uh, AT&T is giving us some details about that: AMC, HGTV, Hallmark, CNN, other channels, Viacom channels expected to be added soon as well. Watch TV subscribers will get access to 15,000 movies and TV episodes on demand. It'll cost $15 a month as a standalone app, but it's also free if you subscribe to one of two new wireless plans that AT&T has. Has. One is called Unlimited and More, which starts at seventy dollars per month, and then uh, Unlimited and More Premium, which starts at eighty dollars per month, which throws in either a music or a video subscription service like HBO or Showtime or Stars or Pandora or Amazon Music on top. I
2: love 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 these names. AT and T Unlimited and More. And
1: AT- I know we gave Verizon <laughs> such a hard time when they added their extra unlimited plans, but AT and no better.
3: Yeah, it's like Unlimited and More. Well, but what about the next year? Yeah, just say Premium.
1: Unlimited and More Premium. Unlimited <laughs> and More Premium and Extreme. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, we we knew that AT&T was going to go after Dish's Sling TV with a cheaper service. Here it is. It is not as robust as Sling TV. It does not have the sports. It's pretty much just made up of Turner, Scripps, and AMC networks with the promise that Viacom will be added later, which is interesting because Viacom, while on Sling TV, is not on things like PlayStation View and Hulu. So it's another entry in the com- competition, but... AT&T already had an entry with DirecTV now. So it it really is a way to kind of package up their wireless service and sell it.
2: I I think we we are still waiting for this pangea to kind of settle in terms of where the media market's going to be
1: bloomberg's mark german has sources who have insight into why apple's air power has not yet shipped remember that the wireless charging device they announced last september oh bad the air power is supposed to be able to charge three devices at once no matter where they're placed on the charging mat three apple devices of course that means a complex combination of overlapping multiple charging sensors because the different devices the watch the phone the ipad they have different kinds of charging needs. There's also supposedly a stripped-down version of iOS running on a chip to manage the charging, and that apparently has proved buggy. Overheating and circuit complexity are two of the challenges, supposedly delaying the air power. It was hoped to go on sale in June, but now the sources say maybe September. German sources also say, Apple's ultimate aim with the iPhone is to remove all the ports, including the Lightning port. Forget USB-C, they just want to go wireless but to get to that goal, they have to crack air power first and make wireless charging viable.
2: I'm curious to see how, in their internal timeline for Apple, how close they think removing all ports.
1: I mean, it's got to be at least a couple of years, if not more, right?
2: I think that that's, that's far. I mean, like even at how slow... Uh, uh, that, that, uh, Chi charging is like that, that, that does not seem viable.
1: Well, and what Apple's doing, I said, iPad, by the way, I meant, uh, AirPods, the, the headphones, what I, I Apple s- says they're doing or seems to be doing is making their own standard that is interoperable with Chi, but when they implement it in air power, it'll be even faster. Yeah,
3: and the whole delay is probably why I had completely forgotten that we even <laughs> heard about AirPower last September. When I read the story this morning, I was like, "Oh yeah, whatever right, happened with that?" Yeah. You know, supply chain issues. September isn't so far. I welcome a wireless future. Somehow, some way, I you know, I mean, my life is a series of dongles, but I agree that. I can't imagine how that would work with any of the stuff that I currently have. I mean, it's a whole – yeah, it's another – at least a couple of cycles.
2: Yeah. Look, uh, at the end of the night, I take off my Apple Watch, I charge my phone, and my wife has the AirPods. So it's like it it would be nice if we just put them down on one little nice dinner plate instead of having 50 different cords.
1: My resistance to getting rid of ports is that wireless has never been reliable – as reliable as wires – but as wireless technology gets better, that objection starts to go away for me. I actually use Wi-Fi a lot more than I used to. Uh, so maybe this is delay is good. It means we're making sure we get it right. So when you get it, it works reliably all the time. Microsoft's chief
2: marketing officer, Mike Nichols, told GamesIndustry.biz at E3 last week that the company isn't working on VR or mixed reality support for the Xbox. Xbox chief Phil Spencer said in June 2016 that the Xbox One X console would be, quote, hardware hardware built specifically to lead the console industry into true 4K gaming and high fidelity VR, unquote. Spencer reiterated the promise to CNET in June 2017, although at that same time he expressed doubts to Giant Bomb about whether VR was ready. In a statement to address the apparent change of plans, Microsoft said it is focusing on Windows Mixed Reality on PCs. I
3: think it, so. it doesn't mean they're not going to do it. It's just a, it's well, a priority.
1: Uh, it's, no, it, I mean, ago. the chief marketing officer is saying we're not going to do it on the Xbox. Forget it. Uh, it sounds like there was an internal argument where Phil Spencer was saying we probably should do it. We are going to do it. This guy over here thinks we could do it, but I'm starting to get skeptical. I can't even tell which side of the Spencer was on, but now they're not going to do it.
2: Uh, Console VR, even in this nascent era of virtual reality, to me is the mushy middle that nobody really wants. It does not have the portability of having a overpowered phone or some sort of a dedicated device that could be truly wireless, nor does it have the engrossing nature of room-scale VR like the HTC Vive. You are tethered to your television which is silly because you're going to have a headset on and you really only are able to sit down it, it is the worst of all worlds and I'm glad that Xbox is rightly <laughs> available. <laid down. laughs>
3: Nothing could be worse than being tethered to your own television. Well, I mean for that, yeah, I think it's like it's like if you're going to be tethered
2: like we have the HTC Vive here in the studio, it's great because you can walk around uh, or you want something that has lower fidelity where you're able to walk around more. That's such a key element of VR.
3: IMO wireless charging there well, <laughs> we go that's a little different but yeah i no i get i get what you're saying taiwan semiconductor manufacturing company or tsmc says it expects to invest 29 billion dollars in 5 nanometer node technology stmc is currently fabricating 7 nanometer chips for the 2018 iphone so this tends to suggest that TSMC will stick around as Apple's A-series chip maker, at least for some time. TSMC has exclusively produced Apple's A-series chips since the a 9
1: Yeah, it's easy to get confused. This is not a leak saying we hear TSMC. It's TSMC coming and saying, yeah, we're, we're going to invest $25 billion in 5-nanometer node technology. And everyone else going, well, your biggest client is Apple. And you use the 7 nanometer for the Apple. So this means, A, you're sticking with Apple uh, as a client. You're not getting dropped. And B, uh, I guess you're making an A series chip on the 5 nanometer uh, node, which goes back to that Intel story. They're having problems getting down into those smaller nanometer uh, fabs to make their chips that that has been delayed more than they expected. Uh, And so this is not good news for an Intel and great news for Apple. Uh, Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to Daily Tech Headlines, available on your Amazon Echo, on your Google Home, and as a podcast at DailyTechHeadlines.com. Okay, so. Uh, In a 5-4 decision with the majority opinion written by Justice Anthony Kennedy, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned its own 1990 decision on state tax collection, meaning U.S. states may now collect sales tax on businesses who do not have a presence in that state. Uh, I'll explain a little more later. This doesn't really affect the big guys. Most of them were already paying state tax in most U.S. states. Amazon, for any direct sales, was already... Paying U.S. sales tax in every U.S. state that had sales tax, but this really does change the landscape for things. And I want to go through, if you if you don't mind, a little bit of the legal history here. Won't take too long with this, but we go Go in, Tom. Go in. Thank you, thank you. We go all the way back to 1967's National Bellis Hess versus Department of Revenue of the State of Illinois. That was one landmark decision that held that the Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution that says Congress regulates commerce between the states uh, would keep states from taxing out-of-state retailers who only use common carriers or U.S. mail. So the, the case said, look, the state of Illinois can't tax somebody from outside the state of Illinois if the only business they do in Illinois is sending things into Illinois by mail or by freight. Uh, in 1976, another case called Complete Auto Transit versus Brady uh, had a similar test case, and in that decision, they came up with a four-part test to determine if a company should be subject to a state tax or not. The four parts are: is it related to state services? Is it non-discriminatory? Is it fairly apportioned based on interest to intra-state commerce? But the big one was the company, the retail company, had a connection to the state. Uh, and it was it was phrased I think as a nexus in the state. But it, was there some kind of connection between that retailer and the state? If it was a catalog merchant in New Hampshire and all they did was send things by mail, that wasn't considered a connection. All right. 1992, this is the big one. Quill Corp versus Heitkamp, or sometimes Quill Corp versus North Dakota, depending on how you see it cited where North Dakota tried to collect tax from Quill Corp for catalog sales. They they tried to buck the trend and say, no, this is a connection. We're going to prove in court this is a connection. The court said that the existence of customers alone, an economic presence, did not create a sufficient connection. Quill Corp has been used as the rock-solid, like, Nexus, as in, in the 1976 decision, means you have to have a warehouse. You have to have a retail store. You have to have a physical presence. That has been the rule up until now. This decision that we just talked about, South Dakota versus Wayfair. A lot of people think this is an Amazon case. It's not. It's Wayfair. The court ruled that e-commerce has turned that quill rule from 1992 into a tax shelter. Kennedy used those words. it's It's basically a tax shelter, called it unsound and incorrect, and said the court should not maintain a rule that ignores substantial virtual connections to a state, and said the act applies only to sellers who engage in a significant quantity of business in the state, and respondents are large national companies that undoubtedly maintain an extensive virtual presence. So essentially what Justice Kennedy did is said, yeah, you have to have a presence in the state, but if you've got a huge website that everyone in that state uses, that's a virtual presence and you can't use it as a way to get out of taxes. So what are the effects going to be? Well, that's what we can debate. Amazon, already lost the battle to avoid state taxes in California in September 2012, and state after state followed after that. By early 2017, Amazon was charging sales taxes in all 45 states that have statewide sales taxes and in Washington, D.C. However, that has only applied to stuff that Amazon sells you. A lot of third-party sellers sell things on Amazon.com. That Amazon said, well, that's between you and your state, whether you collect state taxes or not. We're not going to police that. So this decision may change that liability a little bit. You
2: know, I, I oftentimes think about the Wild West days of the Internet and describe them in the terms of the television series Deadwood, which is about this wild West outpost slowly coming under the law of the land, which makes it awesome that this decision comes from South Dakota. But there is this is the the end of the age of innocence, right? Like at a certain point when the internet becomes a large enough portion of our economy, there's going to be a way the government will make sure that it is taxed. That's, that's the, the, the way of the world. And this is, to me, it's, it's an interesting uh, watershed that it happens now in 2018, but it was bound to
1: happen. And Gardner in our chat room said, this is only about who pays the tax, right? I mean, the individual might still own a use tax. And there are some use tax situations like in the state of California. But no, after Quill, after the decision of Quill, the rule was, if you don't have a physical presence in the state, then you don't owe the tax. Uh, nobody owes the tax. Uh, the, the the customer or you. Nobody owes a tax. That's considered interstate commerce. Uh, and what this decision changes is says, well, it doesn't have to be physical. It can be virtual. Uh, And it kind of leaves that door open about what is virtual presence. There's some language in this decision that could be a boon to small businesses to say, well, I don't have a widespread virtual presence in Iowa. I've had two customers there last year who ordered something. I should be exempt from this virtual presence rule that Justice Kennedy put down.
3: Well, I mean, that would easily be solved if somehow there was a definition of what the presence was. Is it five customers in a year? Is it, you know, like what, what, what constitutes a company not being able to argue that. And also I don't know how many third party sellers offhand Amazon has overall, at least in the U S but I know there are a lot and they are, you know, varying sizes. How does this affect some of the smaller companies that, uh, you know, that, that really have to think about prices and don't want them to go up. Amazon
1: has 2 million plus third party sellers. Okay. So, you know, I'm,
2: I'm a third party seller on Amazon uh, for, for the contender you know, that uh, it is listed there. It is stored at their website. It is fulfilled through Amazon. And that is something that now, uh, I I will say this, if you are an entrepreneur and you are a coder, uh, having easy set it and forget it ways that a Shopify store can uh, uh, fill out a tax return or pay as you go with a state will be something that will be very, very, very valuable going forward.
1: Yeah, uh, it it might be worth noting uh, that Chief Justice John Roberts dissented from the decision of Justice Kennedy uh, because of the disproportionate effect on small businesses. Uh, he 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 used some very quaint examples of of people selling their sewing and, and, and crafts uh, and saying, up till now, you could just have a website and do that and not worry about it. You'd, you'd charge the sales tax for the people in your state and you wouldn't worry about everybody else. He's like, now you're going to have to deal with multiple state tax rules uh, and that could stop people from starting these small businesses or force them to go into partnership with larger companies.
2: Find John Roberts' Etsy account. <laughs> <You>
3: judge four twenty. <420. laughs> I wonder. Yeah, it's um that's that's a good point. I mean, yeah, that I don't know how many people are running uh, you know, sewing businesses online, but um a lot. How many? I don't know a number. You had, but- you had the third-party seller information. Go look at, at, go the look ready at ready when Etsy. I, asked I had
1: that. to search for that. I didn't have it at the ready. I just. <laughs> well,
3: you were. No, you were, You were a good searcher. You were, That was a quick search. I know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, as you mentioned um, at the beginning of our discussion, Tom, Amazon's already dealing with this. Amazon's a huge company. They don't really care. Smaller companies. This matters. And if you're a third-party seller and you're, uh, I don't know. it on the small side, or or just starting out, uh, these are the uh, you know these these rules completely change your business potentially, and you know what you have to um, what you have to tell your customers and what you have to charge. Yeah. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but,
2: I, I don't think that that there's that there's you know much here beyond this is you know again it, it is the end of innocence the free internet is done as we knew it.
3: You heard it here The end of innocence State taxes
1: (laughs) I was going to say People starting a business This is Chief Justice John Roberts People starting a business Selling their embroidered pillowcases Or carved decoys Can offer their wares Throughout the country But probably not If they have to figure out The tax due on every sale See sales taxes Report 22 Indicating the cost Will likely increase The most For businesses That do not have Established legal teams Software systems Or outside counsel To assist with compliance related questions do you do you think that uh, chief justice
2: john roberts is like a sad etsy husband like, i mean like on the internet wearing a beanie that chief
1: justice rehnquist fought for the right of parody because he loved parody cartoons political cartoons could be the same thing with chief justice john roberts
2: etsy hound john roberts I'm dick
1: Who knows? But yeah, I do think this is a turning point. Back to what you were saying, Sarah, I I think this is a turning point uh, for the Internet where we've we've been saying for a long time, we probably need new rules because the old rules don't fit this new situation much very well. This is another example of that.
2: I I, I really do hope that paying these taxes, that there is an onus on state governments, which if you've ever tried to pay state taxes uh, that that you don't live in those states, it it can can be onerous and awful and confusing and outdated. I hope that along with this new revenue comes the ability for states to make it modern and easy to, if not pay quicker, but even to pay as you go, man, if I could just immediately on every sale, it could I could just kick the six cents to the state of Iowa, man, it'd be great.
3: Well, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. Submit stories and also vote on other stories that you want us to talk about at dailytechnewshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash, can you guess, Daily Tech News Show.
1: I'm expecting right now someone's writing us an email about value-added tax and how that works in Europe and would solve all your problems. But what's in our mailbag right now, Sarah?
3: Well, okay. So I kind of threw this in here because yesterday we were talking about Amazon wardrobe and mentioning that you, you get the clothes, you got seven days, you keep stuff, and then you send the other stuff back. And my reaction was, so where's the warehouse with all that used clothing? And Tom's like, well, you don't wear it. You just try it on, like a dressing room. And I was like, ah, oh, you're so naive. Anyway, Andrew <laughs> from Montreal says, my mother used to work at a big upscale department store in Canada. Customers used to come in on a Friday, buy an outfit, and then just somehow return it on Monday. Company policy, take it back. So no questions asked. The chain went under a long while back. So maybe being nice wasn't wasn't really what, what worked. But he says the returned garments had that lived in look about them, but the sale tag was always still on. So what are you going to say? My mother once said, and this is her talking to somebody returning the garment, don't you hate that they serve dried out chicken at weddings? And you would picture a confused, squirming person standing in front of her. That's Brit humor, by the way, because I didn't really get it, but I assume that- Well, because the
1: person obviously wore the dress to a wedding and now is returning it, right? I think that's the idea.
3: Yeah, the yeah. Yeah. dried out chicken. Anyway, it's the end of Innocence anyway, again.
1: So, it's the end yeah. of My Innocence about try before you buy-
3: I mean, this is not you know an issue that Amazon is like inventing. Department stores have it. Any other service. Oh, yeah. Stitch uh, Fix, you-
1: Tote all of sure. them.
3: Sure. I probably know somebody you know who will n- not be named here because it doesn't matter, who might have worn something <laughs> that she couldn't afford, he or she, he or she, uh, and hidden a tag cleverly and wore it to a wedding and then taken it back. I might
1: know several people involved in television production who regularly buy things, use them in the production, return them, not just clothing. And I'm not even talking about the people you think I'm talking about. I've seen it lots of times. Yeah.
2: I I may or may not know somebody who once purchased over five hundred dollars worth of electronics from a Best Buy and then immediately returned it upon using it for a scavenger hunt
1: he was putting on. No idea who you're talking about.
2: No idea.
3: <laughs> scavenger hunt. <laughs> I think that that That's was what you were going to say. Time for this. <laughs> I thought he just wanted to use the equipment.
2: No. Yeah. It was. It was for to, uh, monetary gain.
3: Bunch That's of thieves. Yeah. I'll tell you. Clothing, electronics, my goodness. Uh, Justin Marby Young, not a thief, Um, at least not today. Uh, Justin, you were with us on Monday. What's been happening since then?
2: Well, I'll tell you what. I've been writing my free political newsletter. That's what, Sarah. Everybody can go get get it, freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Now, listen, I've plugged this on the show a few times, but I want to get this out there to people. Sometimes when you sign up for the free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com, the uh confirmation email goes into your spam. Mm.
1: So
2: if you have thought you've signed up and you just never got a confirmation email and you never got another email from me, then go ahead into your spam folder. You just gotta make sure that you click okay. And also if you've found that the politics 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 daily, the free political newsletter has been going into your spam and you're using something like Gmail, it helps tremendously. If you take it out of your spam and put it into your inbox or don't group it and you put it into your inbox, it helps the way that Gmail processes not only yours, uh, but also everybody else who's using Gmail. This information is very, 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 very helpful to Gmail. So make sure that the free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com
1: is in your inbox and uh, we'll keep writing it for free for you. We have, right now, three more patrons than we did last month. Yes! Eight. <laughs> seven days from now is my birthday. Now, I know we always say we just want one more patron than last month, but for my birthday, I'd like ten.
3: Oh! Ooh. You know what? You deserve it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate You're welcome. it. welcome. Because I'm and turning I... 70.
3: Wow, you look really good.
1: Thank you. I, take, I do a lot of skincare, Korean beauty products. Um, so no, in all seriousness, folks, uh, we, we're always trying to get just a few more than last time. So make my birthday dreams come true and join the rest of the awesome patrons at patreon.com slash DTNS.
3: Oh, give John the best birthday ever and happy one week from birthday. Thank you. We will talk about it every day until then. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Questions, comments, any fun wedding anecdotes, we'll take them. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC, and you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live.
1: Back tomorrow with Megan Rose Dickey from TechCrunch. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network.
2: Get more at frogpants.com. Prime Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) (laughs) Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free, or go to Amazon.com/newsadfree.